welcome to Dig Deep. Well, several years ago, when my husband and I were still in the newlywed phase, we decided to take a six-week road trip of the country, and we packed all our camping gear into our little car and traveled to national parks all around the country. We did a huge circle of the country, saw some of the most beautiful sights we've ever seen. And one particular national park was very memorable um, for many reasons. It was breathtakingly beautiful. It was Redwood National Forest in California. And if you've ever been to Redwood, you know that it is just completely breathtaking. I mean, these trees can live to be 2,000 years old. Most of them are five to 700 years old. They're the tallest trees in the world. It is just an absolutely breathtaking park. And so we camped there for a few days and it was beautiful. And on our last night there, the family that had been in the campground next to us offered us um, some of their leftover firewood. They were leaving and didn't feel like packing it up. And so they said, do you guys want this box of firewood. It was a cardboard box of firewood. So we said, sure, absolutely. So we had an extra long campfire that night. It was really nice. And so we ended up staying up really late and we were finishing off the last of the firewood and we decided, what are we going to do with this random cardboard box? Let's go ahead and tear it up and throw it on the fire too. So we did, we tore it into pieces and threw it on top of the fire. And a few minutes later, a chunk of cardboard came flying up out of the fire and moved toward us. And we both kind of jumped up because it was a big, a big chunk of, of flaming cardboard. And it landed on the ground sort of near us. And we, you know, carefully kind of stomped it out. And then we turned back to the fire and it was something out of a nightmare. But several huge chunks, bigger than the chunk that had just flown at us, had all taken flight and were making their way up into the trees. They were going in every direction, these chunks of of cardboard. And this is, it's almost midnight and everyone is asleep in all the different campsites. And we're in sheer panic, whispering to ourselves, what are we going to do? Oh my gosh, run, chase after them, see where they land. We're watching these pieces. We're, We're chasing after them to try to extinguish them wherever they land. Some of them floated up literally a hundred feet into the trees before we would see that the flame would go out. And then with relief, we'd chase another one and it would land in someone's campsite and we'd go stomp it out, terrified that these things were going to land on someone's tents or land somewhere in the forest. And I had, a, I had the picture in my mind. I could see us on the national news the next morning. This is the couple, Ben and Jess Alston, who burnt down Redwood National Forest, 2,000-year-old trees, a historic national treasure ruined by the Alstons. I could see the headline. I was terrified. Now, thank the Lord, we were able to extinguish each of those pieces of cardboard, but it was a night to remember And thankfully, Redwood National Forest is still standing. And I tell that story because this week we are kicking off a new series called Taming the Beast. And our foundational scripture for this series is James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And this is where James teaches us about the importance of taming the tongue. And in a lot of passages of scripture, we see God giving us a metaphor something from everyday life that we can latch onto and understand to help us understand a deeper truth that he's trying to communicate to us. And what's interesting to me about this passage, God must think taming the tongue is incredibly important because he doesn't just give us one metaphor. He throws seven different metaphors at us. He describes the 
the tongue being like a bit in the mouth of a horse. He says it's like the rudder of a ship. It's like an untamable beast. It's like a deadly poison. He talks about how fresh and salt water can't both flow from the same spring and a fig tree can't bear olives and an olive tree can't bear figs. He's just giving us metaphor after metaphor. And one of the metaphors that he uses is the one that we're going to be talking about today. And that's where he says that the tongue is like a spark that can start a great forest fire. In James chapter three, verses five and six, it says, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. And just as we watched those horrible chunks of flaming cardboard drift and watch with panic to see where they were going to land, I've had that same experience with my communication, and maybe you have too, where in the heat of the moment, there's a fire burning and a spark, a chunk of flaming something comes out of our mouths. And we think that it's going to be really satisfying to say it, that it's going to feel really right and good to say it. It feels that way. But even as it's leaving our mouth, we realize we have a a slight inkling of the panic of the damage it could cause. And we watch carefully to see on the face of the person or people that we're talking to, where is this going to land? What effect is this going to have? Is it going to start a forest fire? Is it going to cause irreparable damage? What have I just said? What have I just done? And James says, this spark, this flame has the potential to set our whole life on fire. And so this is something we need to take really seriously, this taming the tongue and taming the beast. So today, I want us to consider three steps we can take to stop this fire, this fire that we have within us that wants to come out through our words in a variety of different ways and ruin our relationships and our marriages and our careers and our whole lives. How can we stop it before it does that damage? And so we're going to talk about three basic steps. And the first one is simple. It's shut up. I know that's kind of crass, but really just shut up. And if that's not language you appreciate, I understand we don't allow our kids to say the word shut up. So you could opt for be quiet or put a sock in it, put a cork in it, zip it, zip your lips, shut your trap, shut your yap, shut your face, shut your pie hole, whatever you want to say, shut it, be quiet. And this is obviously much easier said than done. This is a discipline that we need to practice. And we know that fire needs oxygen to survive. And I often fall into the trap of thinking that if I will just let out what I want to say, that that'll be it. It'll be done. I believe it'll be satisfying and it'll feel right in the moment and and it'll be done. But of course, we know from experience that Saying those things, speaking our peace, as we say, so often is just the beginning of the story and it adds oxygen to the fire. And so as painful as it might be, I have learned with experience and I am still learning this lesson that the more fired up I am, the more my blood is boiling, the more important it is 
for me to be quiet and wait to speak. Because it's in those times of speaking out in the heat of emotion that adds oxygen to the fire and leads me down a road that can be really, really problematic. And some of us, I think, are more prone to this than others. And I am definitely one of those who's very, very prone to this problem of of speaking in the heat of the moment. But this is where we can make some serious mistakes that will impact our lives. And of course, we've heard the phrase burning bridges, which is all too appropriate with this fire metaphor. But it's true. Those are the moments where we make mistakes that change relationships forever and that can change the course of our lives forever in the heat of that moment. And that's why it's so important to learn the art of shutting up. And it's a discipline, learning to shut up. And I have known that I needed to learn this since adolescence. And my brother, one of my brothers, knew this as well because he would see me get fired up in an argument with my parents or another one of my siblings. And he was much more of the peacekeeper type of person. And so as I would get more and more fired up, he would kind of appear out of nowhere because he would hear the argument from wherever he was in the house. And he would slowly and gently just come up next to me and gently plead with me. I'm usually like reaming someone out or giving some ridiculous hot-headed speech and he would stand next to me and just gently, if there were any pauses, say, "Um, be quiet, Jess. Stop. Stop. Just stop talking. Just stop talking. And I would just plow ahead and sometimes I'd turn and be like, no, you be quiet, Eric, and plow ahead with what I wanted to say. And he saw that in me that I needed to learn this art of just being quiet and not speaking out of that heat of the emotion. And this is a lesson that I'm still learning, but it's the first step in keeping that fire at bay is just simply learning to be quiet. And then the second step is to back up. First we shut up and then we back up. And there's a book that I'm going to be referencing several times through this series because I am forever indebted to the authors of this book. It's called Crucial Conversations. The wisdom and insight in this book for relational communication in any area, in in your career, in your marriage, in your friendships, in complicated family history situations, these principles are, are so universal and so practical. And one of the things that they describe in this book And I appreciate that they describe it from such a scientific perspective. They talk about those moments where you are feeling your heart rate increase, your palms are getting sweaty, you are in a conversation, and your emotion starts to rise. You disagree with the person, or they have done something to offend you, or a, a justice needs to be done, and you know it in your heart, and so your blood starts to boil a little bit. And they talk about what's going on behind the scenes, of course, from a scientific perspective, which I love because, of course, we know that from our heart rate increasing and our palms getting sweaty, that we're experiencing a surge of adrenaline. And adrenaline is a hormone that is being, you know, secreted by our brain that's preparing us for fight or flight. And we are getting ready to run away or to fight something. And so what's amazing about adrenaline is it actually makes you faster. By making your heart rate rise, it makes you able to run faster, move faster. It actually increases muscle strength. Basically, adrenaline makes you a superhero. 
But here's the problem. With this rush of adrenaline, as they say in the book, to sending blood to all of your extremities, getting you ready, it's actually pumping blood away from your brain, from the higher functioning parts of your brain. And the problem for most of us is that when we're experiencing these huge rushes of adrenaline, getting ready for fight or flight, we are not preparing usually to fight a bear or outrun a tiger. We are having a conversation with another human being. And because our blood flow is pumping to our extremities, getting us ready for this fight, we lose some of our higher functioning ability in our brain. And that is why it is so easy to say things in the heat of the moment that we regret. Proverbs 29.20 says there's more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. And my argument against this in my own head has been that I personally have this superpower of being able to articulate myself really clearly when I'm fired up, when I'm passionate, when I'm feeling a little hot-headed, I, I don't stand there and, and stumble over my words. I get even more articulate. I can start speaking a mile a minute. I get really passionate. My logic is really sound and tight. My husband hates this about me because in an argument, I am not very fun to talk to. But I, he, he, even he will tell you, he'll acknowledge that, yes, I can be really sharp and communicate very clearly in the heat of the moment. But that's not what we're talking about here when we say that your higher reasoning functions get debilitated. What we're saying is that you lose the big picture. You get tunnel vision for the experience that you are in right in that moment. And so that's why the authors of the book ask you to pose a question to yourself, this specific question. And this I have found to be incredibly, incredibly helpful. It's this simple question that you ask yourself if you're feeling those feelings of your blood boiling in the midst of a conversation, backing up, shutting up, backing up, and asking yourself the question, what do I really want? What do I really want? And this is something that my husband has actually been using in our marriage for years because there have been times where an argument is starting, maybe things are getting a little bit more tense, and then we turn a little bit of a corner and I, my heart rate is up and I am getting fired up about what we're talking about. And he will stop and look at me and say, do you want to fight me right now? And the problem is in the moment my gut reaction every time is, yeah, yeah, I want to fight you. Obviously, I am mad about this, or I feel like this is a mistake that you made, or this is a thing in our marriage that needs to change. And yes, I, I want to fight about this. But really stepping back, taking a bigger step back, and looking at the big picture of my whole life, and asking the question, what do I really want? Do I want to fight with my husband? not just in this moment, but in the big picture of my life? No, no, that's not the kind of marriage that I want to have. And so we need to step back and ask, what do I really want? Because yes, I want my point of view to be heard and I want to be respected, but I want what I say to be received, more importantly, and I want it to lead 
to change, changing things for the better. Yes, I want to see justice done for the way I was mistreated by a friend or by my spouse or by some jerk in traffic, but I want to keep the bridges of my relationships intact because I know that that will lead to a peaceful, happy life. Yes, I want to express my anger because I think this person needs to hear it, but what I really want, what I really want is to not be angry anymore and want to live in peace. And by asking this question, what do I really want? I re-engage my brain and send some blood back to those higher reasoning areas and I can make wise decisions about what to say that's going to lead me to get what it is that I actually really want. And we're going to talk more about this next week, how to move forward and learn how to have healthy communication techniques. But our Try It Today principles today have more to do with being silent, about shutting up and backing up. And instead of moving forward in that conversation with other humans, our last step is about talking to God about what's going on behind the scenes. So we need to shut up, we need to back up, and then we need to get a checkup. We need to get a heart checkup with our God who loves us and knows us. And we talked about this last week, how Luke chapter 6, verse 45 reminds us that what we say flows from what's in our heart, something I think we know to be true. And this is another one of the metaphors that James uses in James chapter 3. In verse 11, he says, Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? And we know that the answer is, of course not. What is on the inside will be what flows to the outside. And so what is flowing out of you? Take an inventory. Are critical comments coming out of you? Lots of negativity, biting sarcasm, crude jokes, gossip, foul language, or anger that's flowing out of you. Because everyone around you, your kids, your spouse, your coworkers, people on the street, they're drinking your overflow. And so we have to ask, ask ourselves and ask God, where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? I love the way Amy Carmichael describes this picture She says, if a sudden jar can cause me to speak an impatient, unloving word, then I know nothing of Calvary love. For a cup brimful of sweet water cannot spill even one drop of bitter water, however suddenly jolted. And that Calvary love that she's describing, of course, is referring to the hill, Calvary, where Jesus died and paid the ultimate price, gave up everything in the face of people who were mocking him, spitting on him, murdering him. And he loved them and forgave them. 
And when we take what's in our heart before the God who loves us that much, it will change us. His love has the power to soothe even the most raging fires. What is it inside of you that you need to take into his presence today? Your cynicism, your negativity, your anger at that person, your frustration in that relationship. Because what's flowing out of you is coming from somewhere. And God doesn't just want us to keep our mouths shut and try not to say bad things. He wants to heal us from the inside out. He wants to solve the problem that's behind the scenes and give us peace. And he wants to show us a way forward to have tough conversations, to speak tough truth into people's lives, but to do it from a foundation of his love, his sacrificial, forgiving love that changes the way that we see the world and all of our relationships. And so we need to get a checkup from him. One of the verses in the Bible that has been a great prayer for me to pray in these moments when I am struggling, when my blood is boiling over an injustice that I've seen or um, an offense or just general frustration with other human beings. This verse from Psalm 19, verse 14, is a great prayer. I pray, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Because we meditate on what is in our hearts, good or bad. We stew on it. If it's angry thoughts, we are so prone to letting them fester. If they're pure thoughts, we can meditate on them and they give us life. But whatever we're meditating on in our hearts will make its way out of our mouths and it will have an impact on our whole life, on all of our relationships. That's why James reminds us, this is a spark that can ruin your life. It can set your whole life on fire. And it is worth any cost to stop those flames. And it reminds me of a story that my husband shared with me as we were talking about this this concept of the flame and the spark. He said in 2013, there was a horrible wildfire that broke out in Colorado. And it was taking acres and acres of farmland and other natural areas. And one farmer named Eric Howard did something incredibly brave and really genius. He made a fire line in his own crop. He took his tractor and dug up a huge path, driving incredibly close to the flames, dug a path, ripping up his own crops so that when the fire reached that portion of the field, it would slow down with enough time for firefighters to fight it and it wouldn't spread, consuming his whole field. And for us, I think that's such a practical picture of what needs to take place in our hearts, in our lives. We need to decide, I will not let this fire 
take over my life. I will not let this anger or my cynicism or my bitterness or my hurt or my frustration or my stress take over my relationships, my marriage, my career. I will not let it happen. And so I am going to dig up a portion of my life. I'm going to make the sacrifice of embracing silence, shutting up even when I want to speak, backing up and evaluating my life and asking, what do I really want? What do I want of these relationships? What do I want for my marriage? What do I want for my career? What do I really want in this life? And then getting a checkup with God and asking him how to move forward, how to get peace and how to have good things built up in our hearts so that that is what overflows into our relationships around us. We need to shut up, back up, and get a heart checkup. And it might feel like swallowing fire at first. I know it does for me, but it's worth it. It's worth it. I am so excited that you're joining us for this series. I hope that you will reflect on these principles and apply them to your lives. As a resource to you, I want to let you know that there are discussion questions available on my website, jessalston.com. You can find them in the show notes, which under the listen page, you can look up individual episodes and there will be a PDF there that you can view on your phone or download um, with some questions that you can discuss with your small group or with your spouse or a friend or just use for your own personal reflection time with the Lord. And I hope that those are a blessing and a resource to you. Thanks so much for being here. I look forward to talking with you again next week as we explore how to have healthy communication moving forward. And I think it's gonna be really great. So thanks for being here and we'll see you next week. Bye.